You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. to the sports objective a very special show a great night in fact all i want for christmas is a winning football season uh, right bubba rosenbaum yeah better days are ahead for our pirates we know that um, but you know, we'll dive into a smorgasbord of topics with Rini and golia Rini, welcome back in you got it guys my pleasure and don't let me forget kyle from lagrange barber what's up dude what's going on guys uh just uh just try to plug along here Really, so glad to have you back, and uh, obviously a rough uh, season for the Pirates, two and ten, but uh, so far so good. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. I know what Kyle and Bubba and I did on John David Baker. JD yeah, listen, yeah, I think it's a great hire. I don't know him personally, but I've heard great things. And you know, uh, I had the Pirates twice this year. I had them early on against Marshall, a game, by the way, man where I really thought they were going to win that game. And it's it's funny in college football because, you know, a, a win here, a win there really changes the outcome of a season. I really believe that. And it's a, if you remember back to that game, there was a double reverse pass to start the fourth quarter for Marshall, and they went 75 yards, and they end up winning that game. I think if if, if uh, ECU wins that game, their, their season's a little different. But, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. I had them against – Tulane, too, another game they probably should have won. Um, but with that said, obviously, they needed changes in offense. Listen, you guys know this, and I know Pirate Nation is uh, is, is really uh, big into Mike Houston, whether they like him or not. I'm a Mike Houston fan. You guys know that. Um, he definitely needed to get another year here after the season he had. But he made the necessary change. Donnie Kirkpatrick was with him a long time, was one of his assistants. You know, a lot of people um, in Greenville didn't think he would he would let one of his longtime assistants go, but but he did and uh, turned the page. And I think uh, John David Baker, great great uh, offensive tree he comes from. I think it's going to be spread. It's going to be faster, up tempo. That the kind of offense I think the fans are going to be excited to see. Yeah, no doubt. It was um, you know we were looking for a change on offense. Um, it came down, you know, rumored. You know, who knows what really happened, but it came down to between him and um, oh God, Chad, Morris. Chad Morris. Thank you. I want to call him Jim Morris. Uh, Chad, Morris. <laughs> Chad Morris. And, um, uh, you know, Chad Morris, obviously a more proven commodity, but JDB, you, you, you like his coaching tree. Uh, you, you listen to him talk. Uh, he said we are going to be a combination of kind of the air raid and the Baylor offense, aka the Browse offense. So uh, if he can pull that off, that'd be pretty salty. Uh, listen, no doubt, too. And the other thing, you know, the defense this year for ECU was good. The problem was when they had their breakdowns, it's just because the offense was so inept. The offense couldn't yeah. do anything. And when you can't do that, 
you put a good defense in bind and plays break down. Um, so defensively, they, they were fine this year. They just didn't have an offense to go along with it. But I think next year, uh, listen, can only go up, right, after the year they had this year. And I, I think I think it will go up uh, a lot. We'll, we'll get into recruiting, but just quickly, and we'll dive into it more. Uh, you know, the biggest thing we had to have was a quarterback. Uh, we got Hauser from Michigan State, started seven games for them. Um, have you had a chance to see him play? Uh, what I, are your thoughts on him? Okay. I have I have not, but, you know, the fact that he's at Michigan State, he comes and, you know, the, the hardest thing for me now as an analyst and probably for you guys too is just trying to follow the portal and what the hell's going on. I mean, it's just – it's like free agency on steroids. I mean, you cannot even keep track of it. Even – and, I mean, I'm on social media every day, but, yeah. you know, the, the fact that you get a quarterback like that and in, in, in uh, John David Baker's system – I think I think quarterbacks will thrive. I really do. I saw it today, and you guys would know this better than me, right? Raji Harris is coming back for another year. So again, yep, yep. another year of he really he still wasn't a hundred percent this year. You know that. So you get him back a hundred percent back to his uh, you know really good days of a couple of years ago. There's a lot of pieces there. So I think it, I'm I'm bullish on uh, on ECU again uh, next year this upcoming season. Yeah, I definitely think on the with some of the pieces we're adding, if you know, if we can add one more quarterback and you know add some offensive line pieces, um, really like the chance for a big turnaround. Um, definitely need one um, for Mike Houston's future with the program. And that goes without saying. But um, kind of going back to Don David Baker and his roots, um, like Kyle mentioned, has those ties to uh, Lane Kiffin, Graham Harrell. Uh, so many excellent coaches. Um, just you know, like we do, uh, you know, Ole Miss, they're not lining up and just blowing people off the ball. Yes, they have excellent personnel, but they're, they're playing in the SEC West. And this year, they had a very good year running the football in 2022. They ran for over 3,300 yards, and with the way they use tempo, um, their, their formation, shifting, motioning, and, and, and the whole package, it's, uh, it's a sight of the whole. Well, and that's a good point, Bubba. That's the misconception with the air raid or a spread offense like that. They still want to run the ball first. People don't realize that. Like, Mike Leach always wanted to run the ball first. He really did. And then it's a bunch of quick passes, which is really an extension of the run. So I think that's what you'll see. To your point, you're not going to get – and I do agree with you. Listen, I don't care what offense or defense you run. You build your teams from the inside out. So you better have really good interior line play offensively and defensively. With that said, ECU, a lot of these group of five teams, you're not going to get those monsters like a Georgia offensive line or a Michigan offensive line or an Alabama offensive line. So you got to do it a little different like Lane does it at, at, at Ole Miss. You still want to get a good offensive line. But, again, quick passes, extension of the run, and, and, and get it going that way. And I think ECU is in a really good spot. And I think right, tomorrow's signing day. So, you know, it's funny because they call it early signing day. But the way it's morphed the last couple of years, yeah. this this first signing period becomes the biggest signing period. So this is a big day tomorrow for all these programs. No doubt, Rennie. In fact, uh, with <clears throat> with things right now, with uh, when you're talking about the national signing day, early signing day, can you talk about is it really uh, that important? It seems like that the – transfer portal talk itself is like free agency for the NFL or MLB or NBA like the pros. And it seems like that that's more important than the national signing day to me. 
Well, but those kids will probably the, the transfer portal kids uh, most likely will all sign tomorrow as well. So that's you know it's one thing to be in the portal and say okay I'm committing to ECU or I'm committing to wherever. You still got to sign them on the dotted line, right? So I think a lot of those kids will sign tomorrow. And you know it, it is unfortunate because really because of the transfer portal, who's suffering is the high school kids. Yep. I saw I saw a video. You guys might have saw it. It was a coach, and I actually think it was a Bowling Green coach. He was recruiting. And he was saying how in the state of Ohio, they had, I want to say, 135 kids. I don't know if it was last year, but in one particular, 135 kids that signed Division I scholarships. Okay, 135. Once the portal has come into effect, that number dropped down to about 60, 63, because all the other signees are coming from portal kids. So it's just, it's, it's kind of nuts. You feel for the high school kids, but that's just the world we live in now. And then obviously you throw NIL money on top of it, you know, and that's where the, 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 the ECUs, the group of fives struggle because, yeah, they can get some money through a collective, but you're just you're just not going to compete with the SEC schools and the Big Ten schools. You're just not. So it's hard. Now, the one saving grace is, guys, there's only so many spots, right? Like uh, there, there's 50, 60 quarterbacks in there that are like, proven court it's crazy that are like proven quarterbacks really good quarterbacks right but there's only so many starting positions so at the end of the day um you know not everyone's going to get their pick where they want to go and i think that's where an ecu can slide in there and grab some pieces for sure you mentioned high school recruiting and um you know these kids have got to come from somewhere eventually all these kids in the portal are going to graduate so yeah. i mean i i i don't i guess they're going d2 i mean we're they're you know, I, and they'll have opportunity to move up. Uh, Semenza, uh, our our, uh, our co-host, uh, you know, he, he had an idea one time that I believe it was Semenza that said it, that maybe in East Carolina or somebody like that should just start going after, you know, all the top high school players that we normally couldn't get and just say, hey, come here, develop your skill set, and then transfer out to a Power 5 school in a year, almost like the old um, Calipari formula at Kentucky yeah, for for uh, come here, play for a year, go to the NBA. Well, and and I think that's the philosophy a lot of schools are taking. So I, I have a I have a family friend. They have a a senior down here in Florida, a very good player, and he's getting offers. So he's getting offers at some smaller Division One FCS and smaller Group of Fives, and that is exactly what the head coach said. I won't say the school, but it's exactly what the head coach said when he went into the at home visit to meet with the parents. He said, "Listen." I get it. You want to go to a big time school. Everyone does. There's pros and cons to it. But he goes, you come to our school, you ball out for a couple of years. You can put yourself in the portal. We'll help you. And then you can move on from there. So coaches know that, right? You kind of, yeah. everything changes now. So, you know, and the other programs too, are the FCS schools, you know, guys, I just did, I just did one of the FCS semifinals. I am here to tell you South Dakota state, the Jackrabbits, they would beat half the teams in FBS. They really would. That's how good that program is. They won the national championship last year. They're going to play it again this year. Talking to their coach, Jimmy Rogers, they had five to 10 kids on that roster from the championship roster last year, where obviously they're in the Midwest, were Big Ten schools. So we're not even talking group of five. Big Ten schools came in there and tried to take players with NIL money. To their credit, those players all turned it down and said, no, we're going to try to run this thing back. Um, and they did. They're back in a championship. Now, they're, they're very senior-laden. Their quarterback, Mark Gronowski, who's really good, uh, only a junior, has a year of eligibility left. Got a feeling he's going to be somewhere in the Big Ten next year. But the FCS programs, 
that's really happening big time with them where you get some players that are, um, you know, have two, three uh, really good seasons. And then the, the, the group of five and power five programs see what they're getting, right? It's not a, yeah. it's not a disgruntled guy that's on Alabama that's transferring that you've never seen playing. You're like, man, this kid was an all American in FCS. And now he's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to come to ECU. Don't you love those kids in the portal for sure? Cause you know what you're getting and you know, you're getting a high quality kid. So to your point, yeah, they're moving them around. Yeah. We, we are hopefully going to sign an all MEAC uh, or, or was he, was he the, was he rated the best, the, the best yeah, offensive, he's, lineman he's the MEAC MEAC. offensive lineman of the year from North Carolina central, uh, Torricelli Simpkins. And, uh, you know, very similar to uh, Justin Red that East Carolina got from Norfolk State when we had that connection with Latrell Scott as our passing game coordinator in 2022. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed that we can uh, fill the deal there because I think um, everything I'm hearing, um, you know, give credit to Stephen Igo with Hoist of Colors. You know, he's he said that um, he feels that he'll be highly sought after. Yeah, it'd be a great get for sure. And, again, I, I love those kids because – they're either late bloomers, right? Maybe physically just didn't really have it coming out. And then they go, they get, they get better. They gain all this experience. And then you get a guy that's got a kind of a chip on their shoulder because they were passed over. I love those kids. I mean, uh, I, traveling this year, doing games. I mean, almost every team in the American or the Sun Belt has a kid like that, that, uh, you know, I just did, um, uh, Appalachia state. They're one of their defensive backs had a great career at Richmond, uh, Thunderbrook, I believe his name was, comes in, has a great season at Appalachian State. Great kids, yep. gonna have a chance on Sunday. So, I mean, there's stories like that all over uh, FBS football. Ready, yeah. just quickly, you mentioned traveling around for conferences and all that. I, I off topic, but I just wanted to mention it while I thought of it. Uh, your UMass Minutemen, um, Delaware joining Conference USA. Yeah, any chance they're gonna go any further north? And or, you know, I remember UMass being in the MAC, uh, the MAC giving them the automotive. Yeah. You bring in the rest of your sports, so we're kicking you out. Um, is that the holdup with Conference USA? Is that they want them in all sports? Well, I'll say this that so there was a time with, with UMass basketball with John Calipari and the Atlantic 10 Conference in, in general, which was, you know, a three, four bid league in basketball. Those days are good. Those days are just over. And, and so the athletic director, Ryan Bamford, did a podcast and um, brought up a great point. There's no, and so, and, and I'll, I'll say this, UMass has the longest running relationship of any school with the Atlantic 10, over 50 years in that conference and all their sports, other than football, obviously. But with that said, there's no other team in that conference um, that's aligned with UMass in that no other, no other school in that conference has football and no other school in that conference has hockey, which UMass has both of them. Now, hockey's going to stay in Hockey East. That's a specialized conference. Um, but the days of them going just football are over. It's going to be all the sports. And if I had a crystal ball, I think you have a year to play with, uh, so to speak, with Conference USA, because Delaware doesn't start until 25. But they're at 11. So by the time 2025 rolls around after next season, Conference USA, USA is going to want to add a 12. There's no doubt about that. And then – as you just mentioned, the Mac sitting there. I think the biggest hang-up that I'm hearing with the Mac is all the Mac schools for all their sports. They bust all their all their sports, right? They don't need to fly anywhere unless it's obviously football, non-conference, or something like that. But in general, they bust all their sports. UMass would be a hard bus trip, but it's one I think they could do it. Um, but if I had my crystal ball to answer your question, within a year, 
before the 25 season, UMass will either be in the MAC or Conference USA. That's that's my that's just me. It's nothing official. That's just uh, my my thought process, kind of looking at it, reading the, reading uh, the tea leaves. It seems to make a little bit more sense with Delaware joining to me. Yeah. Now, Rainey, before we dive into some of the bowl results and then also um, a lot of the games that are going to be played here in the next couple weeks, you, you talked about covering that South Dakota State game. Um, you know, prior to that, what games had you called, uh, perhaps in the FCS playoffs or otherwise? And then I know uh, you had that very quick turnaround. Like I had the brief exchange with you on social media there on X talking about how less than 24 hours later you were back in your hometown in Orlando calling that App State Miami of Ohio game at UCF. Yeah, it was kind of a crazy – so the season ended and I, I didn't really – I didn't have anything uh, post. I know I, I did uh, – you know, I had Memphis Temple at, at the end of the year. And I knew – and you guys know Temple. Poor EJ Warner, Kurt Warner's son. I, I just knew going into that game, I said, he's going to be in the portal. Sure enough, a day later – he leaves Temple in the portal. I don't think he's committed with anyone yet, but you kind of knew he was getting out of there. I did the FCS selection show, and then it was just kind of quiet um, uh, until I did the uh, the uh, semifinal game. And then, so uh, I did a radio game. So the Cure Bowl was here in Orlando. So I, um, I do radio, obviously, for ESPN Radio, but this was another company called Bowl Season Radio who, who has a large inventory of bowls bowl games on radio. So they said, Hey, can you, can you call the game for us? And I said, listen, absolutely. I said, but I'm in South Dakota state Friday night. I said, I have a 5.00 AM back to Orlando. I said, so if you don't mind risking me uh, flying in the day of the game, I'll definitely do it. So it was funny. I did the math. Um, so we went off the air in Brookings, South Dakota at 9:57 PM Friday night. And uh, basically was on the air 3:30 PM uh, on Saturday next day, so like seven, 17 hours and what was that, 33 minutes um, from going off the air in Brookings, South Dakota to on the air in Orlando. So I, honestly, I was actually nervous about, normally a trip like that, you'd be nervous about, oh, flying through Minneapolis or South Dakota. I was actually nervous with the weather in Florida because we had a storm system that came through and everyone's like, hey, you're going to get screwed. You're not going to be able to get back into Florida. Believe it or not, my, my flights from Delta, shout out to Delta, they were they were early, they were early. Uh, both of them were early um, taking off and getting in. So I actually got back to Orlando at like eleven fifteen on Saturday. So that ended up being perfect. I was a little, did, a little yeah, tired, but did you actually have a fumble in that game? Did I? Which one? Did I say something wrong? Tell me. No, the, that was Appalachian. <laughs> that was the Appalachian State Miami Ohio game, right? Yes, I did that game. Oh yeah. I think because I, well, I think the total at the end was a, like eleven fumbles. I want to say 12, 10 or 11. 12. 12. Yeah, I mean, obviously they all weren't recovered by the opposing team, but uh, I, I was actually laughing because yeah, that's why I was asking if you had a fumble because good I god, did now yeah, no, normally it's like <laughs> I actually fumbled. I said something wrong. So the feel, I'll, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, you know, I've lived in Orlando 24, 25 years now, and obviously, other than hurricanes. It's the most rain I've seen fall, like, in a two-day period. So The same my, here. We had the same system come through, yeah, I mean, and our ditches are still full. My yeah. yard's still flipped. But I, I tell you what, and obviously, the, the Cure Bowl for the first year, uh, was at, it's, it's at UCF Stadium. Uh, I, I think it's FBS Mortgage Stadium, the bounce house. And the reason they moved it there is now that with UCF being in the Big 12, they can have it there because, obviously, with the American tie-in, you couldn't have it there. So it's a really good stadium. 
uh, to have the Cure Bowl in it. I mean, I felt horrible that they get that kind of weather. But the, the field itself held up pretty well. But there were huge logos that were freshly painted for the Cure Bowl, the 50-yard line, the end zone, the hash marks. I mean, and so that was like ice. When, when players were hitting the painted areas, they were just falling. And there was, there was one fumble, and you might have saw it. Referee comes in, he slides on his keister too. So, and then the guys were just getting up in all, you know, covered in pink or white. So you felt bad. Um, but that game with the weather pretty much uh, ended up the way you thought it would. Now I tell you, you know, Chuck Martin wasn't opposed to it because he's playing his third string quarterback because of the portal. Um, you know, they lost uh, uh, Avion Smith, their their starter that uh, took over the season for Breck Abbott. So they he kind of wanted a slow kind of just a messy type of game. They got it, but their defense played well, but App State ended up getting a win. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I had taken uh, App State to cover the five and a half, but unfortunately, yeah, with those conditions, not shocked that they did not cover that. But, well, but uh, I tell you, the, what we were, I looked it up before the game, the uh, and it was a low number, but the over-under was 40 and a half, and so I, I'm sure some people probably pumped the under on that um, for sure. And kind of um, – Along the lines of your travel, you know, fortunately, you didn't have any uh, misfortunes there and were able to get back in plenty of time. But, um, yeah, when I saw that post on, on X that I referenced about that quick turnaround, you know, I immediately thought of planes, trains, and automobiles. The <laughs> movie with Steve Martin and John Candy saying, hopefully this – or I'm glad that did not happen, Arena. And if people are wondering, so the company, they, they, they had a person on standby too. So if for some some reason I didn't make it, it wasn't like oh, someone yeah. had to do the game alone. Yeah. We had someone on standby. And it was funny though, because when I went into the press box, people were like looking at me like, did I not just see you on TV and stuff? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I was. I said, uh, I'm a little nuts. I made it here. Now, so, you know, next week I do the military bowl. That game kicks off at two in Annapolis. And then I have an eight o'clock out of Reagan, Washington, Reagan to get back to Orlando because the next day I'm doing the uh, Pop-Tarts Bowl for ESPN Radio. That game kicks off at 5.45 p.m. So I have like eight hours more uh, leeway than I had in this last game. So I should I should be good for that one for sure. Now, had you called App State at any point this year? I had it. I, I was just, time, first time I saw them. I was just thinking as far as your prep on the plane on the ride home. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, you know, I, I go through my notes and as much film as I can. And so, and listen, their, their quarterback, Aguilar, you know, that, that kid's turned into a really good quarterback and just kind of listening to people in this, so talking about, and we'll bring it back to NIL and transfer portal. I mean, Sean Clark, these coaches, you're not only trying to sign, you know, players out of high school and looking at transfer, you have to re-recruit the players on your team now, right? Yeah. Because you have to keep these players. And so, I know he, he had big discussions with Aguilar and his family and got to keep him there because it's it's just nuts. And I'm sure I, I didn't hear the number, but I'm sure their their collective up there came up with some money for him as well, because that's just listen, that's the world we live in now. These kids are getting paid. It's, you know, NIL isn't exactly what it was supposed to be. It's more pay for play now. It just is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, if you don't have the money, you could lose some players. Hey, Rennie, by the way, speaking of fumbling, not you, but the national media does not know how to pronounce the name of the Mountaineers. It's not Appalachian State. It's Appalachian, Appalachian State. I know. And that's, you know, and it's funny because they, if you look at their notes, it's all over their notes. And they make sure they tell you. And that, that fan base, and you guys know this, 
you say Appalachian, they go nuts. So I tell people all the time, because some people are just, because they grew up saying, talking about the Appalachian Trail, right? So they just can't, and I, listen, I have this issue too. Sometimes guys, you just, you get a, you get a word and you, you, you want to say it a certain way, but your brain just doesn't let you. Yeah. And Appalachian is that for some people. And so I just tell them, just say App State. Make it easy. They're fine uh, with that. App State. It, it, that doesn't explain how people call us Eastern Carolina. I was going so, to say you know, you, you guys laugh. So you, you know what kind of relationship I have with you guys and your program. But inevitably, every time I, I, act, I, I, I put something on X that I'm doing an a ECU game, I will always get a fan like, like telling me if we're not Eastern Carolina. I just kind of – I always um, uh, will respond to them and say, I, I can assure you out of all the national broadcasters, I probably know ECU better than anybody and have done more games there. So I said, rest assured, I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah, back <laughs> to your point as far as apps concerned, though, um, you know, the app state marketing – you know, that's been going on a few years now, uh, as opposed to, to Appalachian State. And then uh, prior to Arkansas State being in that same league, they use ASU. Uh, so App State had been ASU if they were shortening the Appalachian State. So that made it yeah. easier. Made it harder. To that App State branding. And, and they lost Nate Noel, too, by the way, their star running back. So he left yeah. into the portal. So every team is dealing with it. It's. Uh, it's it's crazy. Free agency on steroids now. Well, with no college. with no boundaries whatsoever, and and I think that's the the coaches aren't against nil and you know and, and getting kids money. It's just that there's no. It's just different everywhere, right? And I think that's that's kind of what they want that that kind of even playing field. Now, you're never going to get it even money wise because different collectives. You guys brought up Coastal Carolina. I saw I read today, and maybe you guys know. Their their collective closed. Yeah, it stopped. Um, so it's it closed. What do you yeah, mean? It, did. It, it, it shut. It down. shut down. Yeah, I yeah. read that this week. What about uh? What about homie there that used to be the head coach? That's the billionaire. I don't know. Well, well I've heard um because I Mogla Mogli Mogla Mogli yeah Mogli yeah yeah I've had some conversations with some App State folks about that, and obviously that was an accurate report, but I think there there were other collectives uh, for Coastal Carolina. I don't, don't know the names or any of that stuff, but, but yeah, I, fa- I found that uh, pretty interesting as well. How about yeah, James? There's, there's our, uh, James is a Southern Miss fan. Yeah. He's referencing how uh, refs will refer to them as SMU instead of USM. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did, I did yeah. a Southern Miss game this year as well. They, now, there's another program I thought was going to have a much better year this year and they didn't and brought in some new coordinators as well so uh ECU's not alone guys there's a lot of programs out there I mean you look at like you know Kyle brought up UMass so you want to talk and we didn't even talk about this Kyle so you you just cannot I mean, there's one team that can survive in independent it's Notre Dame and I, you guys know this yeah. as well as I do yep. as soon as that NBC money stops they're out as well they're either Going to go into the Big Ten, which would make more sense. But in this world, who knows? They could end up in the SEC. Who the hell knows? Um, UMass playing an independent. Here's a, and here's another reason I said my crystal ball. Why? While I think they'll definitely be in a conference in 25, because next year in 24 they play not one, not two, but they play three SEC schools next yeah. year. <laughs> they play six MAC schools, which is great. But two of the MAC schools are Toledo and Miami, Ohio, the two teams <laughs> that played in the championship. 
Oh, by the way, they play Liberty, which is in a New Year's Six Bowl game. And then the other odd team is Army, which is always going to cause problems. So, yeah, you just cannot live with a, comp- with a schedule like that in independent. Yeah, and Army obviously joining the American next yes. year. Um, and you mentioned Liberty. Uh, you know, them going to the uh, New Year's Six Bowl, um, you know, next year would be them in the playoffs. So that's yep. got to help sell UMass fan base a little bit, probably, on joining Conference USA. And I think it sells Conference yeah. USA. It, it shows you, and I can't wait till we get to 12, that, you know, each year we know for sure there's going to be a group of five in there. And, you know, you, you got a chance to get to the playoff. And, I mean, what else can you ask for? And I, I did a Liberty game this year. Obviously, I, I know that coaching staff really well. They were at Coastal. Uh, one of my former college teammates, Bill Durkins, the offensive line coach. So I talk to him all the time. And, uh, you know, he just – he laughs when he he tells me – I haven't been to Lynchburg yet, but he said their facilities that they have there, second to none. I mean, the money they've spent on that program, uh, they're they're in a great, great position. So, uh, yeah, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in Conference USA for a long time. I've said it and I'll keep saying it. At some point – the American Athletic Conference are going to have to get over the evangelical uh, Christian aspect of their university that some uh, of our presidents and chancellors are not a fan of being associated with because they are going to be a continual problem in Conference USA. Uh, they got more money than everybody else in Conference USA. They got more money than most people in the American. And yeah. as long as they're in Conference USA and they schedule right, they're going to be a playoff contender every year. So you're just banging your head up against the wall by not having them in your league. So uh, I, I think the American will come calling for Liberty well, before long. And, and here's the here's the funny thing. So I, I really believe USF, South Florida wanted to hire Jamie Chadwell. They really did. Yeah. Liberty gave him four point three million a year. They gave him <laughs> exactly. Million dollar contract. They just couldn't. They couldn't deal with it. And if you're Jamie Chadwell, you can't turn that down because you go you go you go to Liberty for four point three. So you know if a power five comes calling, they're gonna have to give you six, seven million a year. I exactly. Mean, it's, it's, it's great, it's unreal. Um, but you know what? He backed it up this year. Now everyone wants to give them crap because they didn't pay power five. He had nothing to do with the contract, it's nah. the schedule. It's his first year in there. So um, yeah, it's uh it's crazy. The landscape of college football right now is nuts. And of course, you know, and you guys know I have a really good relationship with Mike Oresco, and I, I think he really was a great commissioner. I do. Are, um, are you? Are you? Are you applying for the job? I am not. I, not I don't, I mean, listen, I don't think I. Um, it's a rumor. Yeah, I don't think I have what it takes to be. I, listen, I would love to be a conference commissioner, um, I, but I, that's that's because I'm naive and I, I just don't know what I don't know. But I mean, he 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 did a good job with the American. He did a great job. He really did with the TV contracts and everything. So it'll be. R- Randy, you, you've been a running back. You, you've been you've, you've you've been a television you, you know play by or uh, color analyst. You, you you've been a detective. You, detective. You, you, you've dealt with murderers and pedophiles. To be sure, you can handle athletic directors and chancellors. I got a little monster oh. in here that I heard uh, eating a Christmas present box behind me. So here he is. <laughs> this is trouble right here. Trouble. Look at this guy. You got, you got a, is that, is that a Dachshund? It is a, do- a mini Dachshund. This is Ace. Oh, cool. Ace, the mini Dachshund. Ace. So, so there you go. Rainy officially has a little winner. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually my daughter's dog. We, we take him though, because uh, we know he's going to well, be neglected in college. So. He's very, very, I have a friend that has three Dachshunds and uh, one's a male, one's a female of the three. 
and they just had puppies. So right now she has six, no, five dachshunds. She only had two puppies. So nice. five dachshunds, one house. And now, guys, along the line of the Liberty Flames, and of course, East Carolina will be traveling to Lynchburg to take on the Flames next year. And, uh, you know, Rini, you brought up Coach Durkin. The small world, uh, Coach Durkin was at Richmond with Jim Reed yeah. when they recruited me uh, back in the, the late 90s. So I did have the chance to meet your former teammate a little bit there. But um, as far as the Liberty Flames are concerned, Justin Butts chiming in. I know his uh, wife is a Liberty alum, but he said that, uh, you know, with their facilities, um, just an excellent uh, setup there in Lynchburg. Where do you see Liberty in the next five to ten years, um, in his opinion, that they need to be in the AAC? Yeah, I mean, until the uh, – listen, I, I there's no secret, especially especially with F Florida State this year. I think we all know they wanted out of the ACC before this year. Oh, started. yeah. And it's kind of, you know, ironic that they run the table, go undefeated, and win the conference, and they don't get in the playoff. So it probably angers even even more, right? So until that next realignment – wheel falls and it's gonna again but i think we probably need to get closer through these new contracts it just all got signed tv wise but it's all gonna fall again um who knows what's gonna happen but i can tell you right now if i'm a liberty flames fan you're sitting pretty right now you're gonna dominate you're gonna be you know in the discussion for the conference yep. usa championship every year you're gonna have a chance to go to the playoff and if for some reason you don't get to the playoff you're still gonna go to a really good bowl game so at the end of the day, as a fan base, you got to be thrilled. Yeah, when they made that hire and I looked at their schedule, I said, uh, I, I remember texting Kyle and perhaps Matt. I said, do you not be surprised if Liberty runs the table when they're, they're in the New Year's Six or at least in the contention for New Year's Six, depending on what happened with Tulane? No. What will happen next year because we're going to go to Lynchburg and beat them. There you, you go. You, you guys, does ECU play him next year? Yeah, September twenty first. And Liberty, Lib you probably remember the name Taylor Jackson, middle linebacker for the Pirates, and yeah. Taylor Jackson was just plucked out of the portal by Liberty. So, are you telling me Taylor Jackson left here to go to friggin' Liberty? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Randy, I had a question for you. Wouldn't Liberty, um, you were talking about being the t basically the top dog for Conference USA. And like Rick Flair said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Well, uh, Liberty is going to be in good shape because if they can go to the playoff every year, why not stay in Conference USA where they can dominate and they'll be the group of five versus coming to our league where there's more competitive, more competition. And then on top of that, you were talking about Florida State. I can make the same argument. Okay, we get the money piece of things, but you look at Texas, Oklahoma, coming for the Big 12, they have more of a chance to win in in the Big 12 than they do. The Correct. SEC. Same thing with Florida State and Clemson. They go to they – they leave the ACC. I understand why they would money-wise, but they're going to – it's going to be a tougher road to get to the championship game. A hundred percent. Everything you said is true, right? And I think that's those are some things that schools and coaches and athletic directors and presidents need to think about. And so, uh, you know, that came up. You know, we were talking about that with Willie Fritz and Tulane. Okay, did you just stay at Tulane? You're, you're getting a really good salary and try to be the top dog in the American, which really would have the you know, even though Liberty made the New Year Six this year, you would think the American champion would have the best yeah. chance of getting in. Um, 
or do you ultimately move on? Now, obviously, Willie Fritz moved on because, you know, it's the, the, as he said, it's, he's never been a power five coach and he wanted to try to win there. He's been everywhere else. But to your point, Dave, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, especially with 12 teams now. I think if you're a dominant group of five and you can dominate your conference, you're going to have a really good chance to go to the playoff every single year. Yeah. And the Liberty Flames, they had that matchup uh, with the Oregon Ducks. They're right around a 17, 17 and a half point underdog. But before we talk about some of those upcoming games of interest and break them down a bit, some of the ones that have been played, you have some excellent storylines. Just yesterday, you had Western Kentucky rallying from 28 down there uh, with 13 minutes to go in the um, the first half. They faced that 28 nothing deficit, and then Belt Camp threw for nearly 400 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, what a story New Mexico State was this year in Conference USA following the Liberty in that championship game. But uh, Fresno, after starting the year 8-1, and one, had dropped three straight, and then they dominated the Aggies um, out there in New Mexico. Yeah, so starting with that one, I know Jerry Kill was not happy with the University of New Mexico. His arch rival was upset with the facilities and their practice schedule and so forth and so on. But, you know, when you get to a bowl game, you just – you never know what's going to happen. And But New Mexico State did have a really good – season and which just drives me nuts too because my UMass Miniman beat them by two scores to open the season and then New Mexico State rebounded really well makes it to the conference championship obviously drops their bowl game but they'll camp you know I, I was watching that game I was flipping back around and ODU was up 28 nothing I'm like oh here we go and then I, I went out ran some errands and then came back and it was a I think it was a three touchdown game and just like that uh Western Kentucky scored now I I actually had Western Kentucky Liberty this year, so I saw Western Kentucky. Um, the fact that 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 um, the quarterback is in the was the third string quarterback, and he was actually in the portal. He's in the portal, but they allowed him to play anyway because some coaches will do that. It's kind of crazy. And he throws nearly four hundred yards. He was now. third string. Is he going to stay now and just be the starter I there? I if he, I don't know because now I think. You're even a hotter commodity, right? Because you just did what you did on national TV. You brought a team back from 28 nothing as a third string quarterback. And then if you're um, your coach Helton, you got to be like, dude, you got to stay, right? What can we do to get you to stay? So I don't know, but it's just that just added to the storyline of that incredible game. We need a backup still. <laughs> no doubt. No. Oh. Now. Rich Rod at Jack State, and uh, what a yep. job he did! Oh man, yeah, yep. and they were, um, they looked like they may also they were a contender in CUSA, but um, nonetheless, a, a tremendous season going nine and four. They overcame uh, some self inflicted wounds in that New Orleans Bowl, what turning it over four or five times, and it was hard to believe that they were in jeopardy of losing that game at the end. Um, when when you looked and they had run 108 or 109 offensive plays and then had to kick that chip shot field goal. Yeah, I didn't see much of that game. Obviously, I saw the highlights. I had Jacksonville State earlier in the year at Middle Tennessee. Um, and, you know, I was – they were obviously in that same uh, predicament that JMU was. Yeah. You know, was there going to be enough teams not bowl eligible so they can get in? And it was going to be a travesty if they didn't get to a bowl game. They did. And the fact that in their first year – get into a bowl game like that and to your point overcome you know the the turnovers and and hang in there and, and kick that field goal to win it 
Yeah, what a tremendous season. Their athletic director, Greg Seitz, great guy. I've known him for a long time. And it was funny because, you know, you get Rich Rod. Um, he was a tremendous, he's a tremendous coach. Say what you want. Obviously, I don't think Michigan was the best place for him. It was the great greatest hire. But he's still a good coach. And so, you know, I think the big thing for Jacksonville State is now you got to hold them, right? Because you would think maybe after next year, if he backs it up, some other schools are going to come calling them again. You know what I mean? Um, but, He'll be uh, uh, 61 or 62 next year. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, for some of these guys, that's young, right? So, that's true. I, I, hey, um, look, believe me. He look, and he looks well, good. He looks great. So. Believe me, when 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 uh when Mike Houston, you know, when we were going two and ten, and and we weren't sure if we were going to fire him or not, Rich Rod was on top of my list. I I watched Rich Rod. I watched uh, Jacksonville State Week One against uh, was that UTEP maybe, and uh, or Week Zero, um, and uh, I, I called Bubba and I said the Jacksonville State is the best coach football team I've seen all Week Zero. Uh, they were incredibly welcome, and I love their young defensive coordinator too. He, he's like thirty years old. He, he, Great, great, great young coach. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they'll be able to hang on to him. You talk about hanging on to Rich Rod. I, I would think somebody's going to come calling him to be a DC yeah. somewhere at a bigger school. And we talk about how Jacksonville State was able to overcome all those miscues. Um, the Georgia Southern Eagles were not uh, in Myrtle Beach. Yeah. You know, how about Ohio winning 10 games in back to back seasons? So much success under Frank Solich. And then, uh, you know, the. I knew that I believe the new coach was at Tim, Tim Alvin. Um, he, he had been on Solich's staff, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was. A lot, a lot of continuity there in Athens. And after a very rough year one where they just went three and nine, um, two terrific years in a row. And, and yeah. what, a, what a defense they have. Yeah, the, the Ohio, uh, Miami, Ohio, Toledo, those schools always, they're, at the end of the year, they're always there. You know, they'll have their down year, but they always bounce back nicely. But yeah, that was a big time win for for the MAC over a Sun Belt school. And I just I saw the question come up, and it and it was an amazing season for the Sun Belt to get twelve teams into bowl games. I mean, it's 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 incredible. I mean, because you would think they would beat each other up enough where that wouldn't happen. Right. But what it tells you is how great they played out of conference, right? Correct. Against teams, and so. That, the the Sun Belt's right there now. They're one of the best group of five conferences, and it makes it it just makes it fun for college football. And you guys talk about regional rivalries, but then there's rivalries with conferences, Sun Belt, American, and you know even the MAC. You know it's funny with all the movement and everything going on. The MAC's one of the like just steady as you go, right? You know, matching. You can you know you're gonna get matching in November, and it's just you know nothing flashy. They, their teams don't jump ship; they just stay and play. But uh. Great year for the Sun Belt, but a really nice win in that Myrtle Beach Bowl for Ohio. You know, we, we, we you talked about Maxson, man. We, we've talked, we sat here tonight, and we've talked about Liberty, and we've talked about Jacksonville State, and we've talked about New Mexico State in that crappy new ugly conference USA. But you know, I, I tell you what, I, what I think helped them, and what I, the reason I followed them is one, they had a ton of games on Week Zero. Then they did the midweek games from the last yeah. week of September through October. Um, I have been very tough on their, um, on their, um, commissioner. I cannot think of her name right now, but I've been very tough on her. But, um, right now what they're doing, um, particularly with the midweek ESPN exposure, what in the world? <laughs> it sounds like you're at, air, at an airport, Kyle. I, I, that's not my house. So I don't know where that's coming from. Rudy, is that your house? No. What, what, what are we listening? Nothing's going on here, so. 
Okay, I don't I don't know what, where that's coming from, but um, my point is my point is the the midweek games for uh, for Conference USA I think gave them a lot of good exposure, and you know I followed Jacksonville State and and, and I think everybody followed Liberty, but I followed Jacksonville State, New Mexico State all year. Yeah, uh, because of that midweek exposure, and then God Almighty, you got to see New Mexico State upset Auburn, and um, you know, it was it was a surprise, but not as a big as a surprise as it was to some people because I'd watched New Mexico State play all year. Well, and I know for a fact, Rich Rod, Rich Rodriguez had a big hand in them playing those Tuesday Wednesday night games uh, in prime time. He had done it before, um, way back in the day, and he knew that that would help the conference out tremendously. And he voiced his opinion to the other coaches and they all went along with it. They were able to get the deal with ESPN. And so, like I said, I did a couple of those games and you just, you know, it's that time of the year and they knew obviously because matches in, in November. So they knew they could do it in October um, and kind of get a jump on it, kind of do their, do their own thing for conference USA. And yeah, I agree with you. I think it helped their conference, especially with so many new teams, coming in and, 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 and fans, you know, just the casual fans, not sure what teams in what conference now. Um, yeah. I, it, it was tremendous for them. There's no doubt. Yeah. Wanted to ask you, uh, Rennie about uh, your, you said you were calling the military bowl, of course, yep. Virginia tech and Tulane. Uh, I know the guys here, I believe we all picked the Hokies, I believe, or most of us. Yeah. Uh, they don't have their two lanes without uh, their coach, their, uh, their, and their quarterback, their quarterback. And Pratt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So, Kai Horton, the backup, he, he started a handful of games because, you know, Michael Pratt had been hurt. He actually played – he started and played that old Miss game, and they really had a chance to win it. So, I think Kai Horton will be good. Uh, they have a, a, a third-string quarterback by the name of Ibieta. The kid's supposed to be dynamic. He's supposed to be really good. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see if they play him at all. Slade Nagel, the offensive coordinator, uh, will be the, the acting head coach. And, and I, someone had just told me – um, he's not going to go with Willie. He decided he's not. So I don't know if he's staying. Uh, but, you know, talking about, um, you know, we talk about the portal and transfers and NIL. How about the, how about the get Tulane? John Summerall, you get really one of the best coaches in the Sun Belt to leave Troy and go to Tulane. I mean, that's one hell of a hire for Tulane to get him. He's a great coach. Um, so we'll be, I'll be looking forward to interviewing. Obviously, he's not coaching the team in the bowl game, but he'll be there. And we'll be able to interview him. So that'll be an interesting. I don't know if uh, all the all, uh, Mikai Hughes, the all-conference running back, I don't think he's gone into the portal. But, I, again, you just don't know. Um, but it'll be – I think it'll be a better game than uh, than people realize. Uh, I did find out because I was down – I was in New Orleans and covered the, uh, the American Championship game for the conference. And, uh, and, and listen, you can't – not excuses, but there is reasons. Word had gotten out. The team knew that week that Coach Fritz was going to leave, and you got to believe that affected them a little bit in their preparation. Not to take anything away from Rhett Lashley and SMU, because they had a hell of a year. They really did. And ironically, their last year in the American um, and deserved to win that conference championship. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think that line got up to 10 or 10 and a half, especially once that news about Michael Pratt broke, uh, went went up about three points in a hurry. But yeah. uh, with, with Kai Horton's success against Ole Miss and them nearly beating the Rebels, um, and then that and their excellent defense, I still won't surprise me if Virginia Tech wins, but I took the green wave and the points. 
Yeah, I, I listen again. I think it's going to be a really good game. You know, I did the military bowl. Boy, I think it was in eighteen. I did it, and it was it was Virginia Tech was there, and it was Cincinnati, and it was that it was the first year where Luke Fickle kind of got Cincinnati going in the in that that right direction. They end up beating Virginia Tech in that bowl game. And I remember then they had like three or four or five great seasons after that. That kind of catapulted them. So obviously Tulane a little different situation because they've been playing well the the, the uh, last couple of years. But this uh, again, listen, people, oh, they're exhibitions, yeah, but. Gives you 10, 11, 12, 15 practices beforehand. You can play some younger players, especially kids that didn't get their four games in. You can play some new guys and really get some momentum going for that next season. Shane Beamer was the interim head coach. Uh no, the year I did my, the year I did it, um uh holy cow. Uh the coach was still the the coach that had gone there from Memphis. Uh okay, yeah. I, I had a brain fart, but Just, yeah. Uh, Justin Fuente. Justin Fuente was still there. Matter of fact, I think that might have been his last game. I think he, they might have let him go after that game. Because so. I just, I, I knew there was another uh, military bowl where Virginia Tech had, uh, I think for whatever reason, um, Frank had to be in the press box. And, and then, because I just remember Shane b- being interviewed at halftime or, you know, pregame on the field. Yeah. All right. But sorry, go ahead, Kyle. I was going to say, speaking of military bowls, Rennie, if you ever get bored and you want good entertainment, um, Go back to uh, December of 2021 and find our uh, podcast. I couldn't I couldn't tell you the date. It'd be around the 27th or so, and uh, 26 maybe. <laughs> and um, it was the day that me and Bubba. Day Dave, I don't know right. if Dave had left yet, but me and Bubba were both on our way to. Uh, I hadn't left yet to uh, to to Annapolis, and uh, I had gotten up to just about the Virginia line. Bubba was in Virginia, and. Um, the military bowl got canceled because Boston College decided they didn't have enough players to play, and um, I, I I couldn't have been more furious. That the podcast is probably podcast gold. The only thing that would be better if if Bubba could have recorded my the original phone call when he called Bubba. Did I call you to confirm it, or did you call me? What was the? Uh, I'm pretty sure you called me and said, "Is is what I'm hearing true?" And I said, "Yes, unfortunately, it is." And what was my response? I don't recall exactly. You had a, a lot of choice words that um, that we should not repeat on the show. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, I was. I was. That in terms of sports, I can answer a question that I've often wondered. If you had the choice of, of of losing a game or not playing it. I now know the answer because I I've never been as mad over that game not being played. Well, and they didn't it, correct me if I'm wrong. They they had they had like three or four offensive linemen that just opted out. It wasn't like they were sick, right. right? They just opted correct. out. Correct, and they could have played yeah. the game. They had enough players yeah. to play the game. It was they knew they were going to get their ass. They They didn't want to lose. Yeah, they were going. They were going to lose. Bad. And that was and that was the, the that was the year that was ECU's first bowl game in like a, a lot yes, of years. Too. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you did the preview for it since 2015. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that um, yeah, I felt I felt for the players, it, you know, and again, you know, they did what they did, but you just you, you feel bad for the EC, you feel bad for the Boston College players too, because you gotta imagine there was a lot of players on that team that wanted to play. Oh yeah, uh, well, so, not enough apparently. Yeah, <laughs> we got a we got a question for you from William Rennie. Who is the hardest hitting player you ever uh-huh. went up against during your time at, with Washington and Buffalo? Yeah, so obviously there was a, a linebacker who, when I played, he was with the Washington Redskins back then, um, but he also played for the Buffalo Bills at some times. His name was Marvkis Patton. Um, 
he hit me once in practice, and, and I should not. I will, I will also say Chris Spielman, because I played a year with, with Chris Spielman, um, who's just, you know, all everything linebacker. But the reason I always say Marv Kiss Patton, and I want to say, if I'm correct, and I'm sure someone could fact check me, I want to say he plays college ball at LSU. Um, he hit me in practice one day and just, you know, you know, I just saw stars. It was like the hardest I've ever been hit. And I was like, okay, welcome to the NFL. And he was just, he was chiseled. Um, and then there was another linebacker in Buffalo that actually took over for uh, Chris Spielman named John Holosek. John Holosek had a great college career at University of Illinois, which is kind of like linebacker U. And uh, when I was with the Bills, we re- they ran a one-back set where they didn't have a true fullback. And so I was about 205 pounds. So when we went goal line and they kind of needed a fullback, it was like, okay, Angolia, you get in there. So I was kind of the fullback. And I always had to take John on one-on-one and saw stars many times trying to hit John too. I um, mean, he wasn't a huge linebacker, but he's probably like 235. So he was much bigger than me. But um, to answer the question, Marv Patton was the hardest hitter I, I had ever seen and, and personally felt. Did he just not like you? Which one? And no, I think all of them liked me. Uh, I don't think that was an issue at all. Yeah, no, I think they all liked me. Just, you know, you get paid to hit, you get paid to hit hard, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, you said it was at practice, so I I didn't know. I was like, maybe, you know. Oh, so here, so so in ninety, this was ninety seven. It all depended. So North Turner was the head coach with the Redskins in ninety seven. So we we actually did full pads. We hit. So a lot of people always wondered why the hell, how the hell is Marv Levy getting all these great players up to Buffalo? The weather's crappy. Like, why are these players wanting to go to Buffalo? New York State taxes. Marv Levy in the day, you you never hit. You didn't hit for Marv Levy. There was no full contact. Even even uh, training camp, you, you just it was kind of thud. And when you get into the season, you weren't hitting at all. And a lot of pro players love that. That that is what the NFL is now. I mean, there's no hitting right because now the union's involved. But that's how it used to be in Buffalo. You did not hit, and players love that. Washington was not not the same not the same way in 1997. Now you talk about Illinois being linebacker you obviously the alma mater of the legendary Dick Buckus, but the East Carolina fans unfortunately are all too familiar with their with some of their great linebackers uh, going back to the 94 Liberty Bowl, the, the pirate offense. Um, you know, we've had the likes of Marcus Crandall and Jason Nichols, et cetera, on this podcast talking about it. And uh, they were talking about Kevin Hardy and Simeon Rice. Yeah, yeah, no, great linebackers for sure. No doubt. Uh, Rennie, um, looking ahead, um, tomorrow being signing day, um, from a national standpoint, uh, I don't know how much you follow the, the you know, recruiting. Uh, who do you think is going to have the top signing class of the country? Yeah, I don't really follow it, but I mean, I did read something today that said the top 10 players ranked one through 10, and I got, you know, there's, there's a ton of recruiting services out there, but the consensus top 10 players all went to different schools, which I think is amazing, really. Because usually an Alabama or a Georgia or an Ohio State might get two or three of those guys, right? In the top 10. That's where NIL maybe actually is doing some good. And that and that was the point of the article that where it was posted, that I, they think that was where NIL is kind of spreading it out a little bit. So, uh, yeah, so it's fascinating. I, you know, but to answer your question, Kyle, I think, the usual suspects are going to be high up there again. I think the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Michigans, the Ohio States. 
Um, you know, I think Miami's having another really good class. Florida State's having a good class. But, you know, I look at, and we'll, we'll see, you know, for the ECUs and the group of fives, the Americans, the Sun Belts, you know, can, can some of these schools sneak in there at, you know, rank 30th or 35 or 40? Because that's a big deal if you right. can kind of get into that spot. And, again, transfer portal makes a big deal because you can get experienced players to step right in and, and fill a need. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But here's the other thing, too, guys, and you know this. The high school kids and even the college kids that haven't yet played, you really don't know what you're going to get until you turn the lights on, they're in the stadium, and they're playing. Because you can rank all these kids all you want, five stars, four stars. They still got to prove it out there, right? Yeah, we got a couple of big wide receivers. Um, hopefully that will sign tomorrow coming out the portal. We got a silent commitment um, from a from a high-profile receiver. Uh, then, Bubba, you broke some news today on a receiver. You, do you want to talk about that on the podcast? Yeah, um, Omega Blake from from South Carolina. He's originally from the state of South Carolina, but uh, opted to to go elsewhere. And, um, and it appears as though uh, he will sign for the Pirates tomorrow. We shall see. You, know, you never know until they sign that yeah. dotted line. But I mean, from we're the we, only ones reporting it, Bubba, so it can't be true, right? <laughs> from every, everything we're hearing from reliable sources. Uh, We've never broke a story. Situation, yeah, Omega Blake will become a pirate, but, uh, and then like Kyle mentioned, you have a young man, Anthony Smith from NC state, um, not a ton of catches, but six, three, 185 pounds that averaged about 18 and a half yards per reception on those 15 or 20 catches he did have. So kind of a taller Josiah Hatfield, perhaps he's runs a four, three, five, 40 yard dash. And, uh, maybe that deep threat that, that we uh, really need, but, um, are we supposed to talk about the silent commitment, or could we not talk about that? Well, that, uh, in addition to Omega Blake, um, yeah. You, well, you also had a, yeah, the linebacker um, originally from the state of North Carolina. Well, no, I'm talking about the kid, wide receiver, the Florida State, West Virginia kid. Oh, I, I got you. Yeah, um, we'll go ahead and mention his name. Um, we know he's still being still being pursued by by uh, Big Twelve and. SEC programs, but Winston Wright Jr., you're probably familiar with that name from him being at Florida State this year. And then everything he did at West Virginia where he had about 75, 80 catches and took a couple kickoffs to the house over his three years with the Mountaineers. Yeah, so he's a solid commitment. Um, Baylor is on him hard in Mississippi State. Um, we see you, Mississippi State. We see you, Baylor. Go get somebody else. Leave our kid alone. You got enough money. Or do but, they? Uh, but kind of more specifically, kind of piggybacking off of Kyle's question, because um, Rennie referenced you know, all the portal quarterbacks and how crazy it is, some of the quality options that are still out there. But some of the ones that have found landing spots, you have Will Howard from K-State heading out to play for Lincoln Riley. And then one, on one hand, it doesn't surprise me because I know all the money Oregon has and obviously a, an excellent program with everything they, they've done the last couple of years under that staff. But still, is on the other hand, it's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it, to think of a guy like Dylan Gabriel leaving Oklahoma, uh, a, such a proud program with a ton of money as well, to uh, head to Oregon. Yeah, and they got and they signed Dante Moore too from UCLA, so they got two two yeah. two outstanding quarterbacks, and and I think Dante Moore they're, they're going to probably redshirt him because why waste a year? They could still use him in four games. And he'll probably sit behind um, Dylan Gabriel. And so 
uh, what I'm hearing for Dylan Gabriel is it's as simple as it's economics. We, we've been talking about it, right? I think the collective at Oklahoma, I mean, guys, there's only, you know, you can say you have more, more money than God. And a lot of these schools do for the most part, but you still got to spread it around for these top notch players. So I heard that uh, a large portion of the money was already allocated for Jackson Arnold, who's the next up and coming quarterback right. at Oklahoma. So what I'm thinking is, okay, Oregon was able to give Dylan Gabriel more money for, you know, basically buying him for one year and Hey, let me go up there, play for a year, start my life. I'm sure he's probably getting about $2 million. So uh, I kind of understand it when we're talking about that kind of money. We're not talking about $200,000, you know. Oh, yeah. Is this sustainable? I just don't see how this is sustainable. I, no. I mean, eventually, It isn't for us because we don't have the money, but someone's coming up with it. Yeah, but they're going to get sick of it after a while. I mean, it's not like you're – you're getting true return on investment. Yeah, you are. You're getting to see your football program do well. But how many how many people have that much money to spend millions to get the gratification of seeing their football team do well? I mean, it's that's not like great, one day. It's a great question, yeah. I agree well, with you. I, you know, I don't know. And, that, and that's where I think it comes down to almost like no one's saying the kids shouldn't get paid now. That we're, That's where we're at. But like some type of guidelines where it's like maybe set, you know what I mean? Cap this is what cap this is, yeah. yeah, cap it. Well, exactly. Some type of cap. I, I agree with you. Here's another thing, too, guys, as I heard this week over the last couple of days, that the amount of money that is out there, these agents are, like, inflating numbers. They're saying, oh, this guy is, this school is getting. Yeah, we were told it was going to take between 150 to 200000 to get Hauser, and uh, what I understand, it took significantly less than that. Yeah. So in that, in that, and I'm sure numbers are being inflated. There's, there's no doubt about that. So that way you get your client more money, you know, yep. Rennie is getting 200,000. So I want 300,000. Yeah. Or Kyle yeah. wants 500,000. Kind of I'll, I'll, I'll take 200,000. <laughs> kind of along the lines of what Rennie's saying, as far as the Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma, Oregon situation, you have Kyle McCord going from Ohio state. And I know it wasn't, just an excellent year offensively for the Buckeyes, despite only having one loss. But um, I heard that that was the situation there where, you know, they said, you know, hey, either this situation is good enough for you or you can uh, head elsewhere. And so so he looked like he may go to Nebraska, but wound up at Syracuse. Yeah, and then, so kind of what I'm hearing as well is, is you know, when you play at a program like Ohio State, right, we, we know the fan base and how passionate right. they are. And so – you know, some of these kids, listen, you know, they just get beat up on social media, right? And it's easy for us to say, shut it off, don't listen to it. But this generation, this that's this is the way they live. They're not they're not stopping their social media. So I think the kid was just, you know, it's one of those things you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You can win games, but if you're not putting up certain numbers, the fan base gives it to you. And then when you lose a game, the fan base gives it to you. So I, I just think him and his family were like, we just don't want to be a punching bag anymore. We just want to go play where we can be appreciated. And I think that that played a lot into it as well, him going to right. Syracuse. Um, I don't think it was an NIL issue. I, I know he's getting NIL money in Syracuse. There's no doubt about it. But I really do think it was a place where maybe a little low, lower key where he can just go have a good career and, and have fun. Because sometimes at these big-time programs, it kind of takes – it's not enjoyable because you're, just, you're under so much pressure and stress. And, uh, you know, some of these kids are just like, you know, you can, you can keep it. I'm going to go elsewhere. And I think that, I think that played a big part, uh, with, with McCord, you know, the same thing with, uh, my opinion. I didn't hear that from anyone. That's just kind of my opinion. Yeah. Talk about I, I agree. 
Yeah, talk about pressure. Uh, when you have uh, a, a guy, probably the greatest co- uh, football coach of all time in college football, and that being Nick Saban, he talked about he and his wife, and somebody asked him, don't you love all this winning or something like that? And he said, like, something like winning is great, but after a win, they were just relieved. It wasn't like, oh, celebration, celebration, because next week you've got Auburn. The following week you got the SEC championship. This was years ago. It wasn't, you know, um, recent times. But I thought that was interesting to hear. You know, for me, if I'm, you know, 10 and 0, whatever, I'm excited. But for him, he's worried about the next week knowing that I lose one game. I not, I may not be in the national championship hunt. Yeah, he, in my mind, uh, this was his best coaching year that I've seen maybe ever, you know, going back in, in his Alabama days. Because in the beginning of the year, yeah, sure, they were – they were good. They had some solid pieces. Milrow really surprised me um, how much better he got. And I think it, part of it was his confidence and then the coaching around him, you know, coaching up his attributes. And then the defense got better and a lot of those young players stepped up. So, I mean, it's funny, you know, he's the GOAT, but I, I just think he, he he had a great coaching year, you know. It's, it's crazy saying it for someone like him, but he really did. Yeah, no doubt. And um, I hate the praise saving, so I'll let you do it. <laughs> now, <clears throat> Rini, taking a look at some of these other upcoming bowl games, we we talked about Liberty. You know, I actually, um, with with the way they play offense, and I like them in the 17 points against against Oregon. What do you think about that matchup? I, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of points, so I, I get you. The one thing for sure – when you get in games like this, Liberty's going to be motivated, right? Yep. No one's giving them a shot. Where's Where's Oregon's motivation? And, and, you know, and it's just sometimes you, these teams say they're motivated, but just mentally they're just not there. And they think, oh, it's Liberty. Who the hell's Liberty? A lot of most of those kids in Oregon have no idea where Liberty is. Um, and so that's something you got to watch that that motivation and can they get off to a strong start? Now, the one thing I will say for Liberty. Um, they had defensive issues this year. Their offense was phenomenal, but they've had some they had some defensive breakdowns this year. No so uh, Oregon might be able to put up a yeah. bunch of points on them. So something to watch. But uh, hopefully, it's a fun game. And on another note, uh, we talked about some of the coaching changes, just a few. But uh, Craig Bowl, obviously, such a good job over a decade plus at North Dakota State. Uh, he'll be coaching his final game at Wyoming. Um, wh- what do you think about the Cowboys? Um, obviously, his first couple years, they were rough. But then for the last eight, um, you know, they were generally winning seven or eight games. Yeah. No, I did, I did a game out when, when ESPN, when we had the Mountain West contract, I was able to do a game out there. And it's an outstanding coach. And uh, that program's in a good position. I, I you know, their facilities are phenomenal. It's a great town. Uh, I, I enjoyed my time out there. Um, it's just, you know, out, out in that region, it's just, it can be tough recruiting. I mean, that's always the issue. Those schools always run into, you know, they get some good area kids, but there's just not enough of them. So you try to get, you know, national and it's just hard getting people to go to Wyoming, but they've done a really nice job. So he's had a great career. Hopefully he can, they can send him off the right way. But, uh, that, that program though, we'll keep building for sure. What were some of the other coaching changes? Obviously so many, um, but you had Elko going from Duke to A&M, which was not surprising. Um, you had the situation. Well, Fran, Fran Brown going to Syracuse, I think, uh, you know, a, a position coach. He wasn't a coordinator. 
gets a power five job. I think that's a, that's a big deal. A big coach. Now he's known as a great recruiter and looks like he's starting to bring some people into Syracuse. So that's something, something to watch for sure. Um, Lebby to the Mississippi State. That's one yeah. to definitely keep an eye on. Bronco Mendenhall getting hired at the University of New Mexico. New Mexico, yeah. And then, and then Sean Lewis. Um, that was kind of a, it was a unique situation. Him leaving the head job at Kent State, even though that's one of the tougher jobs in America, no doubt. So I uh, joined Coach Prime staff at Colorado, and then he was demoted mid-year, uh, stripped of his play calling duties, and, and then he gets the head job at San Diego State. <laughs> Yeah, and they just have they have a brand new stadium out there as well, so I think that'll fit fit him well. I I, uh, I had one of his games a couple of years ago at Kent State, so he's an offensive minded coach, obviously offense coordinator, as you said at Colorado. So yeah, he'll he'll do well there. And I'm curious to see what Willie Fritz does at Houston, um, if he can get them going in in, in the right direction. So uh, yeah, some interesting hires out there for sure. Derek Mason coming out of it was the one yep. year in the booth with ESPN SEC Network taking over Middle Tennessee. So we'll see how he does there as well. I think that's a good spot for him. It's familiar, Kirk obviously, C. Vanderbilt coach. So he's familiar right. with that area. And Kirk I did C. not realize leaving, they, leaving they, Madison. Yeah, I think Indiana, it's a, it's a good place for Kurt Signetti. So, you know, it stinks for JMU, right? It's such a good year, but, you know, that's the nature of the beast, right? You're you're losing coaches and now you lose players. So JMU hired Holy Cross as head coach, right? They did. and uh, they'll, they'll be all right. And I think he's a really good – Bob Chesney, he's a really good coach. Uh, I, I, UMass was really interested in him hitting as well. They ended up going with Don Brown, the, the older, more experienced guy. But Bob Chesney, uh, very good coach. And to what Matthew Sluka, that, the excellent quarterback for Holy Cross, uh, he's in the portal. So you would See, I think – I didn't even know that. High probability that he ends up at uh, JMU Duke. Yeah, yeah, it's a good chance. And uh, Reedy, I have a text a question from our sure. one of our friends, Norm. Um, he's asking. He says streaming wars are heating up, and cable cutting is uh, moving faster than any of the forecasts called for. And what do you think about the next round of media contracts? Uh, what do they look like? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Listen, I have no inside knowledge. Um, I can tell you, you know, ESPN. Um, a lot of change. A lot of changes this year. A lot of different bosses moved around. Um, uh, and there's a concerted effort, obviously, to cut costs. I think every company needs to do that. Um, and the big thing is the TV rights, right, guys? Because those rights are going to come back up now for the 12-team playoffs, so you need to have your money in there. Uh, to the exact question, it, it'll be interesting. And we've I've heard the rumors just like you guys. Does ESPN and Disney, do they bring a partner in like an Amazon? Do they, you know, do – but listen, direct-to-consumer is coming you know, how quick, I don't know, but I'm like everyone else. I cut cable this year. Finally, I was like, I'm done. It's just, it was $300 a month. It's like ridiculous. Like, what are we doing? Um, and now, you know, I go with a, a streaming platform. I get all the channels I need. I have ESPN plus I can get all the games. So, I mean, that's the world we're going to. So, uh, to, to his point in the question, I, we are going to be direct to consumer when I don't know. And then how does it, what will that look like in terms of ESPN and Fox Exactly. I mean, at some point, if ESPN goes fully direct to consumer, and then Fox goes fully direct to consumer, and then CBS goes fully direct, you're in a pay just as much money as you did for cable. Well, that's yeah, you're right. I mean, because you well, have, I think, have all these little add-ons. Yeah, I, I mean, think the problem is, I think the problem is the uh, you're right, Kyle, and I think the thing, the big networks like ESPN, they'll be fine, but there's a lot of other cable networks 
that may go by the wayside. I've been hearing that for a number of years whenever it does. So uh, I'm not going to name any names, uh, but there's there's certain networks that may go by the wayside because, you know, the the reason why they're making it is because there's a cable package or a satellite package. Well, we've already seen NBC Sports Network, remember, a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah. Kaput. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the rights fees are expensive, that's for sure. So it'll be interesting. And listen, guys, there's no doubt the Amazons of the world, they got a lot of money and they want to get into the sports game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, we'll see. Apple and Amazon, right? Apple, Apple and Amazon, yeah. So, like, I have, you know, I finally, ironically, uh, we have down here in Orlando, we have Spectrum. Right. And uh, I ended up cutting the cord when they were in the fight with Disney because I didn't get any of the ESPN channels. Oh, yeah. So and, uh, we, my wife said, oh, well, we have Hulu. And I was like, OK. She goes, all we have to do is pay X amount more. And we have Hulu live. So that so, you know, me being the kind of dinosaur, I was so resistant. Right. I just you're just so set in your ways with cable. But we cut the cord and I love it now. And, and so with the Hulu, you know, you can click on and I'm not promoting Hulu, but I'm just saying. You know, you click on sports, and then all the ESPN game plus games come up anyway. And you just press on them, and it comes on TV like it's a regular linear game. So, to me, you know, it's like, oh, this is easier than before. What I did, Rennie, was uh, I, I got tired of paying uh, almost $200 a month for Dish Network. And so I called them and said, you know, um, I'm going to cancel you guys and uh, switch to YouTube TV. And, and I uh, heard great things about YouTube TV. I have it. It's awesome. Well, I didn't have to because uh, suddenly they uh, they said, well, you know what? What we'll do, we'll drop your bill to $70 a month if you'll just commit to two years. I was like, well, you know what? Fine. Yeah, we can do that. Two years, I'll do the same thing or either uh, they'll do it again yeah. or either I'll switch to YouTube TV at that point. <laughs> hey, uh, Renny, we we're running long. Apologize for yeah, no tonight. Enjoying the conversation. Before we let you go, uh, we have two questions. Renny, you know anything about USM? His the new offensive coordinator, Chip Long. I do. So you know, Chip Long was a, I guess, a young offensive coordinator at Memphis. He was there under Mike Norvell. Okay. So he's kind of, and he's uh, the Arizona State. He's kind of in that Mike Norvell tree. Uh, I, I I like Chip Long, and he was at Georgia. A lot of people don't know this. He was at Georgia Tech last year, and I did a Georgia wow. Tech game, so I had a chance to talk to Chip back then. And then obviously, people know he was at Notre Dame as well. So well traveled. He's been under a lot of good head coaches. I think he's a good offensive mind. I think that's a great hire there at Southern Miss. I really do. I like Chip Long. I'm a fan of his. So, um, good hire. You got a good, good one. There. And apparently, Will Hall, who is a bit of a control freak on offense, has a really good relationship with Chip Long. So, he may you gotta, actually – You got to let it go, right? You got to let yep. your coaches coach. Yeah, so that's he hired like somebody to trust. So, maybe yeah. – because uh, he – him calling plays just has not worked out. It's it's hard to be the head coach and the play caller. Oh, you know, I talked to the and I asked Will because I you know I did a, I did the Southern Miss Tulane game this year and I asked Will Hall that question. I always whenever I get a head coach that also calls plays, uh, like a Mike Norvell, and there's a there's a good amount of them out there. I always ask them and and uh, you know I think what it is they're just so used to doing it. But to me, there's so much stuff going on within the game now. Right, it's, it's harder for you to really fully concentrate on everything else and kind of, and then when you're one of those guys that calls the offense, you really have to trust and and just let your defensive coordinator go, right? Because you're still kind of, you know, your 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 lion's share of the works on the offense. So I think it's much better when you have a guy that you can trust at offensive coordinator. 
or any um uh, before we wrap this up again, I don't know if you guys have anything else. I'm gonna change. We got a couple on. more. I'm gonna change subjects on you quickly, um, and uh, just ask you a couple quick questions here. We did a special the other night. Um, it was a Christmas special. Uh, we, uh, we we so quickly, just quickly. Favorite Christmas movie. Uh, so a couple, I mean, I like Christmas story, but of course they kind of overplay it cause they do that 24 hours. Um, Christmas story, elf and Christmas vacation are my top three. All right. Favorite Christmas song. Oh man. I don't, uh, probably white Christmas, white Christmas. Okay. And least favorite Christmas song. Uh, I don't know. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Uh, <laughs> oh, there we go. We, 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 none of us had that the other night. We predicted one of us would have it, and already yeah. has it tonight. There you go. Yeah, guest uh, host. And, and where do you stand on Rudolph? I'm I'm a Rudolph fan. I have no problem with Rudolph. I mean, I you know I grew up with the the, the Rudolphs on TV before cable, right? When you got right, that right. show. So I, I, I'm a I'm a Rudolph fan. I have an alternate ending to Rudolph. Um, where oh, Rudolph. God. Where Rudolph tells Santa off for you know treating him like a piece of crap, and yeah, he suddenly did, he, did he can treat use him. Like him. Crap. He did. Yeah, and suddenly he, you're, and suddenly he bailed you know, Santa out too. So yeah, I mean, I, I just you know I just want I want to see an alternate ending where he just you know I won't say what I said the other night, Dave. Don't worry. Okay. Where uh, you know, but he he just basically tells Santa to uh, go fly guy. That's the man. That's a definitely a cheap rated version watered down. Uh, let's see. Well, you, do you want me to say what I said? The other night? No, no. <laughs> Rainy the. Grimes and Bigfoot, uh, are there some cracks beginning to show in the Georgia program? There are four, five stars, five, uh, excuse me, three, four stars in the portal. They also have a 41% graduation rate, which ranks 259th out of 260 Division One teams. Well, I mean, you want to see kids graduate. Let's be, we know kids are going, they're not going to Georgia worrying about graduation, unfortunately, but you want to see them graduate. As far as the four and five stars leaving, Alabama gets a ton that leave too. They all do. I mean, going to the point, there's just, you can only be 11 players on the field at once, right? And right. So that's the issue when you have, you know, this is another thing the portal's done. Before, before the transfer portal, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Georgias, they had so much depth. Right, because you had eleven starters, but then your second string guy, your third string guy, was a four or five star, three star. I mean, so much depth. Now, to his point, to, in his question, those kids are leaving. They're like, I'm not going to be a backup. Or I can go start in an ECU, or I can go start somewhere else. Right? I'm not going to be a backup. So they're all leaving the portal. So really, it's not that there's cracks in in the armor for these teams. It's like, but it does hurt their depth. There's no doubt. You could see it. In Georgia and Alabama, those schools, the depth that they used to have just isn't there anymore because these kids are leaving. They want to play. And one more speaking thing. Of, uh, just speaking of Alabama, obviously taking on Michigan and then Texas, taking on Washington rematch of last year's Alamo Bowl. How do you see the semifinals playing out? Playing out and then how do you how do you uh, see the uh, championship game going? Who, who yeah, like I mean, I just – Obviously, it's a long layoff, right? So you're kind of basing it on what teams did and the, their coaches and whatever. But with that said, I like Alabama over Michigan. I like Texas over Washington. I think we're going to get a rematch. And I always go with the team that lost in the rematch. I think Bama's going to end up winning the national championship again. Well. But what do I know? Listen, I'm actually a horrible, <laughs> you know, pick predictor of games. So that's just what you know, my little feeble brain sees. So we'll see. No, you're picking uh, Nick Saban. It's hard to bet against a man yeah. who has won, what, seven championships? Well, I like the way they're trending season-wise, uh, the way they're playing, but 
We'll see. Randy, thank you so much. Uh, you said the military bowl. Do you have anything? Uh, you uh, you have a, the pop tart bowl. Military bowl. Uh, TV. Uh, two o'clock. Uh, the twenty seventh. ESPN. Then five forty five on Thursday, the twenty eighth. I'll be on uh, national radio, ESPN radio, for the pop tarts bowl, North Carolina State, uh, Kansas State. And then I'm doing something new, guys. I've never I've never done a January one game, so. Uh, happy oh. about that. I'm doing the uh, Cheese It Citrus Bowl, which is Iowa, Tennessee for ESPN National Radio, January 1st. That game kicks at 1 p.m., I believe, January 1. So oh, that's awesome. If you're not too hungover and you're driving around or going to, you know, get your McDonald's after being hungover, throw on ESPN Radio. <laughs> well, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you, Merry Rennie. Christmas, Appreciate guys. You. Thank you. Have a good one. Good night. Thanks, Rennie. Bye-bye. Appreciate him very much, as always, guys. Uh, well, we got National Signing Day. We'll find out tomorrow how that goes. Do you guys have anything before we go? No, nah, just hope uh, hope everybody that's rumored to sign signs and hope we get some good surprises and no bad surprises. Do you guys have any scoop on uh, one final question for me, and we'll get out of here on uh, a quarterback. Do you have any uh, insights on that? I haven't been able to talk to you guys. It's been a yeah, we got, we, we, we got Hauser. No, I know Hauser. I'm talking about. Oh, I know. I, I don't. I you you may not see that tomorrow, Dave. Um, that that may come. Um, that may come later. I think you know. Uh, to get two in, I, I know the only other two we we were looking at uh, that I know of was Takis, and then um the um the unnamed Pac-12 quarterback that was super double secret mission visiting this weekend. Um. <laughs> But uh, those two kids, um, I don't, I don't, you know, maybe tile sign. Who knows? Um, we got the, we got the, we got the kid uh, from Kentucky, the high school kid uh, coming in. But um, yeah, you would like to see at least one more experienced quarterback signed. Um, who knows if that'll be tomorrow or not, though? And we yeah, still think, have Jeter and Flynn. Yeah, uh, I think we've cooled a bit on on Ty Keys and give credit there to. To uh, Steve and I go with Hoist of Colors, um, and that did not shock me based on you know the research I had done and what I had seen in that national championship game. You know, and just tremendous athlete and just not not the most accurate passer, and uh, not that he couldn't end up a pirate, but just I think we probably have other quarterback options that are now ahead of him on the list um, based on what. I'm here. Well, if you remember what um, JDB said, uh, he said the one thing you really can't coach is accuracy. Amen. Right. And uh, I don't think we'll allow ourselves to get in a, a situation uh, like we were, um, you know, where we don't have options and where, you know, if n- not that uh, nothing against. Uh, and Cole Hodge and Raheem Jeter, but I, th- I think we'll get it, at least one more guy with some some experience and playing time, even if it's not significant experience and success. But uh, another guy that I would like to see us, maybe we've had conversations with him. I don't know um, who all he's being pursued by, uh, but um, he has one year available, and that's Hodge Malik Williams. Um, oh, yeah, from Campbell. Campbell quarterback. And, uh, he's very proven commodity. Probably not the most durable, uh, but obviously he's a dual threat guy. He's, he threw for about 9,000 yards in his Campbell career. And um, if we would be able to to land him, you know, and that's someone. Is he in the that, portal? Yep, yeah, he's in the portal. And he's, okay. 
Um, and he was in the portal prior to Mike Minner stepping down or, you know, Campbell parting ways with him in the last couple of days. So you I would like just to just pure speculation on your yeah, part. Yeah, this is just something. This, yeah, the pure yeah, speculation, not, nothing of substance there saying that we're considering him. He's just someone that I would like to see us consider and yeah. potentially uh, be able to bring in because I think he's someone that could, you know, be definitely be a someone that would push Kaden Hauser and um, if Kaden Hauser won the job, be a excellent backup. Yeah. No doubt, and he also is uh, different than Hauser. So the great thing about it, if there's different packages or things that. Um, Obviously, if Hauser gets hurt, you know he can um, he can definitely play quarterback. But also, um, I'd like to see hopefully the in the Houston era uh, where they start doing like what Logan did and give these quarterbacks uh, some experience. Not all four quarterbacks, obviously. I'm just talking about the backup to give them a series uh, each game. But that's just me. Yeah, you 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 would like to see. Uh, you know, I don't know if you need to go as far as what Logan did, but you definitely like to see. Uh, our quarterbacks are back up to getting more playing time. And i tell you the best way to do that is to win games big. Yeah. No doubt. All right, guys, you're about ready to get out of here? Yeah. Um, I will say shout-out again to um, to Igo for an excellent interview with Jeff Palumbo, Pirate baseball fans. Definitely go and check that out. Um, you know, over the last few weeks, he's had on Cliff, Austin Knight and now Jeff Palumbo. That was an excellent mm-hmm. interview. And and then um, the only other thing I had was last night, uh, women's basketball de- defeated George Mason. George Mason 8-1 and one coming in to the game. And uh, their only loss was by nine points to, you know, top 15, top 20 Maryland team. And, uh, and the Lady Pirates took care of business 65-44 in what was their most complete effort of the season. And improving to six and three, and the men return to action tomorrow night, looking to get win number seven and uh, you know, improve to seven and five. They have Delaware State coming in. Delaware State fell last night to Wake Forest by you know twenty five to thirty points. It was a, I think, a ten point game at halftime, and then the Demon Deacons blew them out in the second half. Yeah, that'll be great. We'll have, of course, overtime uh, sometime. After that, I'll be there at the game, so we'll try to get um, get on the air as fast as we can. You guys enjoy the rest of your evening uh, this Tuesday night if you're watching. And by the way, uh, one final thought, we're December 19th and we still have Blake Carroll and a lot of our defense, so um, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we can, I think by this point, do you guys think we're safe with Blake Carroll staying? Mm, we can't say. I mean, their they're coaching changes in, September, in, uh, in January. People are still putting together staffs, so uh, no, I'll, yes. I'll I'll feel uh, secure about it around February. Yeah, look no further than last year. What transpired right there at the beginning of spring practice? Oh yeah, God, no, I feel better about uh, about maybe uh, June then. Yeah, we, we <laughs> had we had had Latrell Scott uh, leaving for Maryland. And oh then, yeah, uh, that's right. And then Chris Foster, yeah, uh, for Northwestern, leaving for Northwestern, and and uh, what what a story they were this year. All that chaos, um, Skip Holtz there, uh, you know, assi- assisting that head coach uh, in that uh, advisory role, you know, consultant role, ha- whatever the title was. But uh, Northwestern winning seven games, what heck of a year! Yep. What's this up? Uh, what is this saying with Justin about so well? Uh, he's, he's just saying uh, a prominent wide receiver from Texas A&M. 
that uh, he entered the portal. So just something else to keep an eye on. Oh, oh okay, that, I understand now. Yeah, I don't don't recall the young man's name. My phone died. So, but uh, so he got a relationship with Sowell or something. Uh, apparently, I, but uh-huh. Chase 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 Sowell's father had retweeted it. So keep an uh-huh. eye on right. keep an eye on him. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe he'll be a pirate. But um, n- nothing of substance there. Just other than Chase Sowell's dad had retweeted it. We're only wide receiver you. I mean, <laughs> we have that nickname for a reason. All right. Thanks to all the viewers, listeners. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Bubba. Thank you, Rennie and Golia. Uh, look forward to him on ESPN and on radio as well. And we'll get out of here. You guys have a great night. And as always, go Pirates. <laughs>